Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. All right, so here we are. Verse uh, 27, chapter 9, the book of Matthew. Just finished up talking about um, where Jesus went um, into the ruler's house and uh, brought his daughter back to life. Um, and you know, it finished up verse 26. It says, And a fame thereof, or fame hereof, went abroad into all that land. So Jesus is becoming more well known. People are beginning to hear about him because people are going about and telling others. You know, back in that day, they didn't have uh, all the uh, mechanisms that we have now to spread abroad what Jesus does. You know, they don't have uh, radio, TV, Internet, you know, all the stuff that we are capable of using in order to share the gospel. I mean, we can talk to people in seconds that are on the other side of the planet. Back then it was, um, you know, they didn't even have uh, a postal service, um, nothing like that. Um, If they wrote a letter, they just had to give it to somebody and it was going in the direction that they wanted to send the letter and hope it got there. So mostly it was uh, word of mouth. And yet it's spreading all across the, the globe. And, you know, when you look at the New Testament, the writings of the New Testament, the whole thing was canonized in less than 100 years. So um, by then the gospel had literally spread around the world, I mean, at least to all the you know, civilized world anyway. And it was all done on foot. So, so it's amazing what, you know, the people who lived during the days of Jesus and were converted um, were able to accomplish. And yet we today, comparatively, I think, do so little. Yeah, we get the we get the word out, you know, and it, it is heard around the world. But, you know, I think we do it half-heartedly in Crimea. We've got... There's, what, about six or seven billion people on the planet. And so, you know, out of that, you, you've got a good number of Christians. So, you know, it's, you know, we've, we've got people that are, that are sharing the gospel simply because they're, we're that widespread. It wasn't so much the case back in those days. But, you know, I guess I'm kind of chasing a rabbit here a little bit. Because anything in Scripture that we see, we need to apply to our own lives because every every verse you read, there's a message in it. So let, let's move forward. When Jesus departed thence, verse 27, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou, son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? 
And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were open. Now I'm going to stop in the middle of the verse there and just talk about, you know, what Jesus did here. I mean, think about these guys. They were blind. Assuming they were probably blind for life, or for they had been blind for their whole lives. And now suddenly they see. And the first thing they see is Jesus. Man, wouldn't that be a glorious thing? Um, Fanny Crosby wrote, uh, nobody really knows how many hymns she's written. There's like five or six thousand they know of, but they've recently found out that she actually wrote many hymns under an assumed name because so many of her hymns were infiltrating the churches that people were complaining that, you know, she was basically monopolizing all the church music. So she started writing under other names so people wouldn't know they were her songs, and, and they've discovered another two or three thousand songs that she's written. That's just mind-boggling. To me, you know, so I hear people that write 50 and 100 songs, and, I, and, and that blows me away. And here's a lady that's written thousands, and she was blind. Um, and, and that's, you know, it just makes it even more amazing. But, but she wrote a song, and, and, and many of the songs that you see that she wrote, she talks about being able to see. Um, but she wrote a Savior called, uh, I mean, a, a song called My Savior, first of all. It says, when my, life, uh, when my life work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and his smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know him, I shall know him, and redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him, by the print of the nails in his hand. Here, here's a lady who is just rejoicing in the fact that she's never been able to see anything her entire life. And she's just overjoyed at the idea of the first thing she's ever going to be able to see is when she awakes in glory and there stands Jesus. Man, what a glorious thought that might be. And you know, the truth of the matter is, man's eyes really are only opened by Jesus. We live in darkness, just, just as a blind person lives in darkness. We come, you know, the only light there really is is Jesus Christ. Um, if you really, really think about it, all common sense, all things good, all common decency, it all comes from Jesus. It, it all comes from the teachings of Christianity, the things that Christ shared with us. And shows us in his word. I mean, the, alter the alternative is, is evolution. You, you, you know, you, if, you, if you believe in evolution, I mean, if you don't believe in Christianity, then you're probably an evolutionist when, you, when it comes to the origin of man. Most people go with evolution. So, I mean, what does evolution really teach? It teaches survival of the fittest, right? So, what is survival of the fittest? Well, basically, it's... You, you survive by the destruction of others. You know, the animal kingdom, for instance, the only way they eat is to kill other animals. Well, if, if, if the evolutionary teaching is true, we came from animals, at what point did we suddenly decide uh, that, that we weren't, that, that we had some sense of decency? 
that there was a, a moral fabric in our society. Where did that come from? You know, that, there was nothing for that to evolve from. You know, when you start looking at the makeup of man, yeah, you can look at chemistry and that sort of thing, and you can see similar uh, chemical makeup and physiological makeup between man and animals, but there's no spiritual comparison. There's nothing to evolve from. The spiritual sense that man has came from Christ, comes from God. There's no other source for that to come from. Without Jesus, we would still be wild beasts. And isn't that the way evil works in life? You know, when when Adam and Eve were in the garden and there was innocence, then there was there was no evil. When evil came in, then man began to look to harm one another. And, you know, Cain killed Abel um, in order to... Uh, Avenge, you know, whatever he was upset over the offerings that had been offered. That's what evil does, and that's what evil teaches today. Um, criminality comes from a person's desire to take from others, whether it be their life or their possessions or, or, or their positions or whatever it is. Um, it's, it's, you know, like I said, survival of the fittest at the expense of someone else. Well, that's not what Christianity teaches. Uh, that's moral fiber comes from Jesus Christ and it comes from God's word. Where where else is it going to come from? So anyway, that's you know, going from being blind to being able to see that's that's through Jesus Christ. I mean there, there's so much so much application in this section of scripture as I guess with all scripture um, about our eyes being opened, and um, and and being able to see Jesus. Well, you know, our, our when our eyes are opened, we're able to exercise common decency and common sense, and that comes from Christ. Um, but then he says, I, I had stopped in the middle of verse thirty there, and it says, and their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man knoweth. But when they were departed. Uh, spread abroad his fame in all that country. So Jesus asked them, look, just keep this on the down low. Uh, let's not make a big deal out of this. But they couldn't keep quiet. They went out and told everybody. His fame began to spread. You know, when Christ comes into your life, you can't keep it quiet. Um, you just, it's just... When I was a kid, I don't know if I've told this story before, I may have, but when I was a kid, I was in the sixth grade when I was saved. And uh, I went back to school the next day, and, you know, we, all the kids, you know, we were into pop music and all that kind of stuff. And it was really cool when you could learn a song and sing it. Everybody would run around singing the latest hit, you know. So I, I came in one day, and I came in after I'd been saved at a revival meeting. And I told the guys, I said, hey, man, I got this cool song to sing. And I, st I started singing it. And I, and I started singing, I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little sofa and a little gold. Well, of course, nobody knew that song. I'm singing Mansion Over the Hilltop, you know, and they're singing The Twist or something like that. So everybody kind of thought I was weird, but I was excited. I'd been saved, and I wanted to sing something about Jesus, you know. That, that just, my life was changed. So, and, and I couldn't keep quiet. So 
I wanted to tell others, and that's what happens when you love Christ. Uh, it's a shame that kind of the more the longer you live as a Christian, it tends to die away because we let the world in, and it kind of dampens our spirit. But but you know we need to do things and stay uh, to keep our Christian spirit up and keep the excitement in our lives about Christ. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with the devil. When the devil was cast out, the dumb man spake. And the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. Well, um, you know, I've always said, if you could, if you could cast the, the demons out of people who are possessed in this world, you'd be amazed at how many people uh, would be healed. All the psychiatrists would go out of business. I, I sincerely believe most of the people who they think, you know, are not settled in their mind or, you know, they're not the sharpest pencil in the drawer, then <clears throat> I really believe that's the impact that demonology has on mankind. It affects man's uh, mind that way. And, and verse 934, now people are going to disagree with that, but, you know, that's all right. I'm used to being um, disagreed with. I, I still believe that's the impact that Satan has on man. It's the things, one of the things he does that people don't give him credit for because most people don't believe him. And I believe in him. Uh, verse 9, uh, 34, But the Pharisees said, He casteth out devils through the prince of the devils. Um, you know, they wanted to attribute, and there's more about this in other passages, but they wanted to attribute what Jesus does to um, being a part of that clan. You know, they're trying to accuse Jesus of being part of uh, the demon world. Of course, he's not. Uh, but, you know, they needed to find some way to explain away what he was doing. They certainly didn't want, they either had to do that or admit it was from God, and they certainly didn't want to do that. When Jesus uh, went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors uh, unto his harvest. You know, of course, I mean, there's many passages, you know, about Jesus being concerned uh, uh, for the multitudes and the compassion that he has on mankind, and 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 this. You know, through Matthew here, as it goes through all the different miracles and such that he performs, um, you know, we we get a sense of, of of how compassionate he was for the people because his, his real uh, desire, of course, was to change their hearts and their minds, not just to heal their physical bodies. That was just kind of a side effect, to be honest with you. But anyway, he did so much, and I, we have no idea how much Jesus did, because when you read the book of John, you get all the way through the book of John, you get right down to the very last chapter of John, in the very final verse. Um, Jesus says there, well, in fact, let me look that up. That's in John uh, 21, verse uh, 25. It says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. It, there's not a library big enough to keep all the, track of all the things that Jesus did in the three and a half years that he was on this earth. And folks, there's no reason to believe that any of that stopped. 
Jesus still works in the lives of men, and many of us can testify to what we believe are miracles that Jesus has performed in our lives. Um, he's, and he still works through man, you know, and he's got so many more people to work with. Um, wouldn't it be nice if you and I were counted among those? That we're one of the people that were going around performing miracles, and I'm not talking about healing people of being blind or deaf or anything like, like that. It's a miracle just to tell people about Jesus and see their hearts change. That's the greatest miracle of all. So, you know, we need to resign ourselves to the fact that that's our, that's our task. That's what he gave their great commission for. So we would be compelled to go out and tell others about Jesus Christ. All right, that's so uh, we've come to the end of the time for this uh, section of Scripture. We'll pick it up in verse 10 next time we, we meet. God bless you all.